Hello, everybody. My name is Jarek Buchholz, and I would like to welcome today Patrick Reali, MLA candidate for Calgary Acadia. And our uh, primary goal of today's conversation is to talk about uh, Alberta, what is going on at this current time. And hello, Patrick. How have you been doing today? Good, thanks. Thanks for having me. Okay, so Patrick, would you mind... Uh, introducing yourself what exactly you've been doing and how do you believe it what you're doing is will change life of many albertans um yeah sure so um i've uh, joined the alberta independence party and mm -hmm. our, and our mandate is um to get elected as the provincial party in alberta uh, mm -hmm. and that would allow us to hold a referendum on independence so we've been working hard to grow the party and get ready for the upcoming election that's going to give Albertans uh, a new uh, exciting choice to take a much different path forward than the other parties are offering. So tell me why Alberta Independence Party started? What is the reason behind? Um, well, the you've mentioned there's some stuff going on currently, uh, mm -hmm. but Actually, fundamentally, since Alberta was created in the early 1900s, uh, it was set up with a systemic imbalance between East and West uh, Canada. Um, the guys in Eastern Canada drew up the map of what Canada would look at that point in time, and they did it with a mind of how do we extract the resources from uh, the Western part of Canada and basically make money for ourselves in Eastern Canada. Um, that's been the case now for over 100 years. Um, but in the past few years, uh, due to uh, various factors, it's become a uh, much more popular idea and many more Albertans than usual are seeing that this is a good option for them to take. Okay, so what, why, why independence? Uh, do you think that will be working? Uh, what kind of challenges Albertans are facing on a regular basis? How we can avoid them? Can you elaborate more about the goals, primary goals of Alberta independence? Sure, so um, most people, uh, you know, their, their goals and concerns uh, generally in one way or another revolve around the economy. Uh, which is why our movement has become more popular in the past, last few years as the Alberta economy has suffered uh, through a variety of factors, but a lot of it uh, actually inflicted by uh, the federal government of Canada. Um, so when it comes to the economy, what Alberta is faced with right now is um, the federal government of Canada extracting $40 billion a year uh, from, yep. from Albertans. Uh, to put that in perspective, the total provincial budget uh, for Alberta is in the same range, 40 to $50 billion a year. So um, it's very, very difficult for an economy to uh, maintain resiliency when um, there's that significant amount of money being extracted from it with uh, no benefit to the, to the local people. Um, and this is known by some as equalization, but equalization is a bit of a, is a, bit of a red herring. Um, there, that's what some people will talk to talk about. But what people should think about is what's the total amount of federal tax that Albertans are paying, and what uh, what do Albertans get for that money? And I'll explain what those numbers are. So the total amount of federal taxes that Albertans pay Albertans pay every year is fifty point three billion dollars a year. That's twenty seventeen dollars. Um, that's available on the StatsCan website. You can you can look that up. It's primarily income tax, about 37 billion in income tax. 
Um, and then other things like GST, gas tax, and, and business taxes uh, make up the balance. Um, now, what do Albertans get back um, for that money that they're paying into Ottawa? Uh, it turns out that the total amount that Albertans benefit from Ottawa is about $10 billion a year. Um, $8 billion of that is made up of a transfer uh, from Ottawa to the provincial government. Uh, you can look up that number in the Alberta budget. Um, there's a line item in the Alberta budget. It's about $8.2 billion as of the last budget. Uh, and then there's a variety of other smaller transfers that happen to municipalities, a small education transfer. None of those numbers are very big. They add up to about another $2 billion. So the key numbers to think about are 50.3 out and about 10.2 back in for a net drain of $40 billion every year uh, from the Alberta economy. Now, Albertans were generally okay uh, with this when times were really good. We could make, we could still make good money when uh, we had access to markets um, and we were generally okay to do our share to help other Canadians. Um, but what we've seen is as the economy has turned down, um, that fiscal imbalance still remains and we're faced with things like the fact that Calgary has the highest unemployment rate in Canada and we're still having that, that money drained from our economy. Amazing. So what will happen when Alberta Independence Party will win the election? What will be the steps for what will be happening after that? Yeah, so that's a good question because it's important for people to understand that uh, Alberta independence is possible. And uh, it can happen in a smooth way that doesn't impact the day-to-day -day lives of Albertans. So the steps that we would need to take would be, we would need to elect a party that truly believes that Alberta is better off on its own. And the only party right now that has that stance is the Alberta Independence Party. Mm -hmm. uh, the Alberta Independence Party platform states that we would have a referendum on, on separation, on independence. Um, that's a necessary step as part of the law of the land in Canada. The law on the land of Canada states that um, the people of a province can have a referendum on independence from Canada, and if they vote in a 50% plus one majority uh, for independence, then it's their right to have it. So the steps are elect the Alberta Independence Party, number two, have a referendum. Um, and then the next important thing to understand is if that referendum is successful, we don't just automatically become independent the very next day. Um, that would cause, or there would be, it, it's just not reasonable for that to happen. So our party's plan is for a four year transition period uh, from which um, we would become part of Canada till we become completely independent. Uh, now during that four year transition period, um, many decisions and agreements need to be worked out during that, during that time. But um, we have a plan that can do that, again, without impacting the day-to-day -day lives of everyday Albertans. Teachers still teach at schools, police officers still police, um, you know, firefighters still go to work, um, businesses continue to run, um, and uh, in general, things don't change dramatically. But what does change is that $40 billion that is currently being sent to Ottawa uh, not to come back can be used for... Uh, to boost the Alberta economy. And we can get into the details of what our plan uh, to spend that $40 billion on is. Definitely, we will be discussing in the future uh, presentations and discussions. So one of the questions which is 
on the trenches and everybody keep asking, what, what about access to the ocean? Sure, that's a, that's a great question. So uh, a couple things to realize is that currently we don't have great access to the ocean or other markets as it is right now. As we've seen, our uh, access mm -hmm. to market has been cut off uh, by poor decision-making at the federal government level. Um, but pipeline, and everybody has pipelines in mind, but the other thing to understand is we truly don't have uh, interprovincial free trade as it is. Uh, another good example, not as impactful as pipelines, is that if you want to open up even a brewery in Alberta, you can't sell your beer to other provinces uh, in, in Canada right now. Um, so it affects not only pipelines, but um, breweries and a whole bunch of other industries that really don't have access to the Canadian market as it is, which is why most of our trade is actually with the, with the U.S. currently. Um, so back to your question about the Tidewater access, mm -hmm. uh, we will use um, a um, UN Security Council resolution uh, that guarantees access to Tidewater for landlocked nations. Um, there are 50 plus landlocked, landlocked nations uh, in the world currently, and they all uh, enjoy um, the right provided by the UN Security Council for them to access Tidewater for, for their products. Um, so that means that um, the surrounding countries can't just arbitrarily block uh, a landlocked nation's Tidewater access. So it's a bit counterintuitive, but we actually have more of a legal right to Tidewater uh, as a separate country uh, than we do no. as, uh, as a province within Canada. Um, Amazing. Yeah, the other aspect of it is it's important to think about who who wants to have a pipeline uh, running through their land and to their ports. So it's pretty clear that the people of Vancouver don't actually want the Trans Mountain Pipeline running to Vancouver. Um, that's unfortunate, but you know that's that's their opinion, that's their their decision, and that's to some extent that's their right. Um, so trying to ram that through uh, is not actually fair to them. But what who, who does want a pipeline is the First Nations groups in Northern BC and in the Prince Rupert area. Um, there's a group called Eagle Spirit Pipeline headed by Calvin Helene, and he wants to build a 2 million barrel a day pipeline to Prince Rupert. And he's actually petitioning that the, the UN, that his um, inherent First Nation rights to use the land as they want are being infringed upon by Canada. Um, because they want to have that, um, they want to have that port access out of Prince Rupert, and they want to have a pipeline flowing to it. So we feel like there's a better chance to get uh, additional capacity through that route, and there's other routes through Valdez or Churchill or through the states. Um, um, there's all kinds of options uh, that we can pursue that we'll have a better uh, chance of doing as a separate country than we do within Canada. So we have already covered uh, equalization payments just briefly, and we will be covering that in more depth in the future uh, discussions. So would you mind telling what principle and main uh, policies are developed and structured by Alberta independents? What they are covering? We are talking about no carbon tax and uh, cu cutting the protect services, the Alberta police. Would you mind elaborating briefly about the, the policies, please? Sure. So um, the one really interesting thing that we can do once we take back that $40 billion that's going to Ottawa mm -hmm. is um, we can set a much different tax structure within Alberta while maintaining the same social programs and social spending that we have currently. Um, certainly there's ways to improve the efficiency of the social, uh, social program spend, um, 
but um, yeah, we can, uh, and, and I'd like to talk about that later, but let's talk about the tax policy for now. Mm -hmm. uh, so we've run the numbers and we can run a surplus budget with a tax structure that has no income tax on your first $45,000 of income, no right. GST, no sales tax, and no carbon tax. Um, the tax rate above $45,000 would be a 20% uh, uh, tax rate above that amount. So what those numbers mean is that for somebody earning $50,000 a year, they would only pay $1,000 in income tax. For somebody earning $100,000 a year, they would pay $11,000 in income tax. Um, that's your total income tax that replaces your provincial and federal income tax that you're paying now. So those rates are significantly less than what is currently being paid by Albertans. Um, that puts a lot of money back in Albertans' pockets that they can then use within the Alberta economy. It also makes our businesses significantly more expend, uh, uh, more competitive when they are competing on international markets. If I have to hire employees within Alberta, mm -hmm. um, I have to. They're they're thinking about the net amount that they're going to get for their work being done. So um, that makes businesses much more competitive, and jobs that would normally be, have to be outsourced to other countries, or that just makes sense to be outsourced to other countries, a lot of those jobs would then make sense to be done uh, within Alberta. So let's 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 point it straightforward. No GST. That's no right. carbon tax. That's right. right. No equalization payments. That's right. Is there anything else which uh, stops us any Albertan to vote for that party? That uh, kind of thing is amazing, no, no, right? There really isn't. I think the the the, the challenge we have right now is that mm -hmm. uh, most Albertans don't know that this option exists. Um, when they do, they, I think they're going to think it's a very attractive option. Um, so it's just really a matter of us getting the word out, spreading the word. Mm -hmm. And it's really quite amazing that Albertans can have, have the opportunity to take uh, this opportunity with a simple vote. They just have to vote in the Alberta Independence Party and they have to vote yes in the referendum. There's really no other work for them to do. Um, and they can have a significantly more prosperous economy and an average of $20,000 per year per household in, in their pocket uh, as, soon as, they, as soon as they vote for it. So we will be wrapping up very shortly. Patrick, are you a politician? Uh, no, I'm not, I'm not a politician at all, actually. I'm an electrical engineer by trade. Uh, I went to business school at, uh, at Harvard, um, and, uh, and I've run a successful engineering business for the last, uh, last number of years. Um, I, I've made the jump from the business world to the political world because I uh, see that um, there's a chance to set up something that's significantly better for my uh, my children and grandchildren. Definitely. And who is who is involved in that party? Can you tell what kind of people decided to join Alberta Independence Party? Yeah, I think it's a lot of people just like me that were uh, everyday working Albertans, business owners, and, and this kind of thing. We don't really have um, very many career politicians. Um, in addition to being, you know, everyday Albertans, we've got a very diverse group of people across, um, you know, uh, a, a large a large range of the spectrum. From you know, we've got um, First Nations candidates. Um, we've got candidates from the LGBTQ community. We're um, we're very inclusive from from those perspectives. Um, but we just need to, yeah, we need to keep on adding uh, more and more burdens to the party. 
you know, we have in, you know, construction guys, we have a uh, business people, we have uh, people from different trades, normal Albertans, not many politicians, right? That's one of the primary keys because we have decided to join that party because we want to make a change for better for our future and yeah. our kids and grandkids. Do yeah, we agree yeah. about that, Patrick? Yeah, I agree 100%. Perfect. So guys, I would like to thank you, everybody who is listening, watching, and we will be talking in the very near future about uh, policies and we will be providing all that information in detail. So please subscribe, uh, get uh, share that information and looking forward to hearing with you, uh, talking with you, Patrick and other members of our uh, party on a regular basis. Thank you very much, Patrick. All right. Thanks for having me.